Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen. And I'm Doug. And we're those movie guys. Bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. This is August 6, 2007. Today on the show, we're going to have a bit of an abbreviated podcast since things have been busy. And also a reminder that next week we won't be having the show because I'll be moving to Texas next weekend and things will be too hectic for us to be able to do our show. But we will return the following week. Today on the show, though, we have a great little mini show. We're going to talk about the Bourne series, and then we're going to finish it all up with our review of the new Bourne Ultimatum. But before we begin with, or before we start with that review, let us first talk about the first two movies in the series, The Bourne Identity and The Bourne Supremacy. Alright, well, you know, the only... I, I love these movies. I think they're really intelligent action movies, and that's something that you don't see a lot of in, in films. So many action movies are just horrible. And, <laughs> and I think it's a genre that's hard to do without becoming insulting to the intelligence of the viewer. And so I really love them for that. I, I also think that Part of the reason the popularity of this series is the whole... I mean, because it centers around a CIA conspiracy. Certainly not an original idea, granted. Right. But certainly in this time, I mean, where we have just... You know, Congress has just passed a law broadening the eavesdropping mm -hmm. powers of the presidency. I, I think it is something that's kind of latched onto the zeitgeist of, of post-9-11 America, where we are becoming more and more frightened of our government that is beginning to listen in to everything we do. And you right. even, well, I'll, I'll save that for later, but there, I think you even see more of that in this newest Ultimate-born movie than the previous two. Right. Well, I certainly agree with you totally. I love these films, too. And uh, I think what you went on to say about the eavesdropping and kind of... Mm -hmm. The measures that our own government will take to eavesdrop and gather any sort of information right. is makes these films very relevant. I think why I liked them the most, though, above all other type of espionage action films, there weren't any kind of cheap gimmicks in this. No. You know, sometimes it's always interesting, and the viewer wants to see how they get out of the situations, but... So many times these action films get so devolved that you're just like, oh, that's a little far-fetched, yeah. or oh, how could he come up with that? How could he pull that off? I never got those feelings in the first two movies. I, I always thought they handled it very intelligently, but yet not so much as to confuse the viewers. Right. And the ironic thing is, is that they could get away with a little more, because, I mean, Bourne is kind of this programmed right. assassin. So if they did stuff, you could say, it, it wouldn't be like that, That I, I don't even recall the name of it, I believe it was a, 
a Kurt Russell movie where he's chasing, he's like a banker chasing the trucker who kidnapped his wife, and he's doing all these stunts climbing on the the back of a semi, and it's like he's that a banker. Dog? I think it is, and um, and it's it's just ridiculous, and that's so much of what action movies are, right? And that's what's great about the Bourne series is that you're right. There's never a moment. It has such great verisimilitude. I mean, a lot of actor or um. Uh, there are some critics and some viewers who complain about the camera work in in the previous two installments. And to me, I like it because I think it gives it that sort of air of this is really happening. It's almost like a documentary style. And a lot of times that can be gimmicky, but I think it works for these movies. I think it works, too, for the, the sense that it heightens the paranoia. I mean, yeah. Knowing that as you're running down a street... There could be snipers looking out any window. Don't you think if we were taking part, especially if you're hearing gunshots as an right. innocent bystander, your head's going to be whipping all around looking, where's this coming from? The yeah. hell am I supposed to do now? Well, that's yeah, that's an interesting point. And also, on that same note of the paranoia, it almost gives the sense that the camera is like a person actually watching, watching. the characters and everything. So it gives that sense of... A voyeur, almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I so I really like that as well. I think they're just so well thought out overall. But I think the choreography of the fights is is probably the most well thought out of the whole elements of the film because so often in in action films. Fights are almost like dances. And sometimes they can be beautiful to watch, particularly in a lot of martial arts right. films. Clearly people don't really fight like they do in Hero, but it's nice to watch. But in the Bourne movies, they fight They're exactly yeah. how people fight in real life. Right, on the floor, in the walls. Yeah, Crashing around everything. I mean, they're brutal, and... It almost looks like as if it wouldn't even be scripted, you know? It's yeah. Like, fight is it. Piss, we'll piss you off, and then you start fighting, we'll film it. Yeah, and, and in a way, that's like the... I think a, a key sign of great choreography in a fight is that it looks like there is no choreography right, whatsoever. So that's really fantastic, too. I right. The really car like chases, that. as well as oh, the yeah. fights are incredibly intense and they're just as shot just as well as the fights i want to actually make special mention too to even the acting i mean of mm -hmm. course matt damon does a great job he is a veteran to action films and i'm sure will continue through yeah but uh in the first film especially i like chris cooper yeah. I thought he played a great character and continuing that in the second movie and in the third I like the character of Pamela Landy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by uh, Joan, Joan Allen. Allen. Thank you. Um, yeah, she's she's fantastic. In it. And it, it really... It is just... It's very well thought out all the right. way around. Okay, well, we're going to head into our review of The Bourne Ultimatum now, after we've summed up the, the series and our thoughts on it. 
You know, as I was saying, perhaps one of the most difficult genres to get right is the action film. With a world filled with the likes of Pearl Harbor, Shooter, and Bad Boys 2, I sometimes feel that action films that succeed don't get near the recognition they deserve. And the ones that border on brilliance, such as the first two installments of the Bourne trilogy, are never respected by the Academy or any other awards program for that matter. In my book, both of the previous installments were well-deserving of at least nominations in the sound, writing, and cinematography categories at the very least. However, in typical Academy fashion, they chose to focus almost solely on drama, as they do every year. So now we have the third and presumably final installment in the Bourne franchise, directed once more by Paul Greengrass. This time, Bourne finally manages to track down those responsible for his amnesia, and he sets out to completely unlock his past. So, you know how we feel about the first two films in the series. Does the third bring the story to a satisfying conclusion? And will this be yet another great action film the Academy chooses to ignore come Oscar season? Well, I think it definitely continues the trend. I don't think we made any secret of that, probably summing up the first two, that we were going to like the third. I think, actually, I like this one maybe even a little bit better than the first two. I think I agree, and that's saying a lot. Yes, I mean, everything we mentioned about the first two kind of applies Mm -hmm. in here, possibly even more so. I mean, you've got great action scenes, great fight sequences, great car chases. Yeah. You know, even the scenes where they're... Being hunted by the assets, yeah. by snipers, by CIA, you know, it's so intense and so gripping to see how they get away. Yeah. And, you know, this movie just takes those heightened senses even further. I love it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I I think that one of the things that I liked a lot about this one, the others two were paced very well as well, but I think the pacing is even better in this one. Because, yeah, you have these frantic chases and fights, but you also get these moments of just quiet. I mean, there were several scenes where Matt Damon and Julia Stiles w- were just silent, staring at right. each other across the table. And it's, it's, some, it's a scene that you don't get in, say, a Michael Bay film. You, would, you wouldn't have those oh, scenes. Oh, we love Michael Bay. <laughs> and, and it's amazing how... There's so little dialogue between Julia Stiles and Matt Damon, but yet you get so it. much is yeah. said. Yes. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I love all those close-up shots. Yeah, through other characters too that that uh, Paul Greengrass uses these almost blocked shots where half the the frame is blocked by the character in the foreground, and all you see is just kind of the, the gazing stare at the of the character in the background. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's, the whole composition is. Yeah. is and very like well you done. said, there's very little to almost no dialogue in some of those moments. Yeah. But yet, so much is being said. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's great. Yeah, and as I was saying earlier, you know, it's so well plotted and logical in how it unravels. So many times in action movies, it relies on the villain being stupid. And you're asking yourself those questions like, now why would he do that? (laughs) And, you know, you kind of think of the James Bond villains when you think of that. And, and, you know, whenever they unfold their entire plot or something to that effect. Right. In this, you don't get that. 
Because whenever the villains think up of a plot to get born, you think he they're going to get him. I mean, there's no way he can think his way out of this. And he ends up doing it. And it's not that the villains are stupid or that they there's something they don't know. It's just that Bourne is so much smarter than they are. Right, he's always one step ahead. And, and I love that. As this and the other two movies, there's no cheap moments. In right, right. Everything seems real. You know, we talked about the fight choreography, but I think one of the things that helps this one even more is I think the sound in this one is even better than the previous two films. I agree. I love the... There were a few moments when the soundtrack would... The the musical score would cut out. Right. And the, I'm thinking of the first fight with the asset mm -hmm. and also the car chase scene. And the music would cut out at a point in that and all you would hear, like, in the fight, you just heard their punches landing and them slamming into each other and, and hitting each other with whatever they could find lying around. And it just was brutal. And, right. And it's one of those scenes that, yeah, it looks brutal how they're fighting each other, but if you cut out that soundtrack, it wouldn't seem nearly right. as vicious. As much as I love music in films and yeah. I you know I certainly appreciate films with a great soundtrack there's just so many times where it really pulls the viewer out yeah you know it's overused and that's definitely not the case in here that's, right because I mean a typical action film director would have kept the music playing and it just wouldn't anything, have had would the have effect ramped up the volume to try and pump up the blood yeah I've said this uh, numerous times I, I like I agree with you the musical score is an important part of a film, but I think silence is also part of the soundtrack. And you have to know when you have to do that. And I think Paul Greengrass has it nailed in yes, this I movie. Agree. Uh we talked about the some complain about the camera and I get without retreading too much of what we said, I once again would like to say how I think it adds to that chaotic atmosphere, I agree. just like it did in the previous two films. One thing I wanted to add about the camera, and this again continues into the first two films, a lot of the, the great establishing locale shots, mm, these overhead yeah. shots of the city are just fantastic. I, I so often wanted to get into photography, and I dabble in it just as a novice, mm -hmm. but to be able to take those type of aerial shots and... and you know, I've seen hundreds of aerial shots of cities before, but, man, the, the photography here just seems so much better than what you even see in some of these photography books. I mean, yeah. the way they can compose the shot to, to really give off how patternized the city streets are in some of these other foreign countries, it certainly made me take notice. Yeah, and, and it is very much um, a more artistic... Uh, type of photography and composition than you would ever yeah. see in an action movie. It's it's stuff you're stereotypically associating with a drama. You know, those right. types of establishing right. shots. You can and, tell great care was taken setting up every shot. Just yeah. down to the close-ups to even the car chases and well, the fights. And so much of the mystique of, of a, um, a spy thriller. And this goes back to all the bonds that were good had this element as well. 
you have to establish these locales because the great thing about them is they're it's exotic location after exotic location. I mean, you know, you have Tangier, you have Madrid, mm -hmm. you know, all these places. And that's part of the fun of a spy thriller is watching these guys run around in places you'll never get to see. But to do that, you can't just say, oh, they're in Venice and expect people to, to be recognize. excited by yeah. that. You need those establishing shots and to show it in such a way to make it seem like an exotic location that you would want to visit. Right. One. You know, it's surprising, too, when you see, like, Tangier and, and Venice. You don't r realize, I think, you know, me not having a chance to travel over there, I never realized they would be that type of a city. Yeah. You know, especially that large. Right, right. And it, it's just, it, it's really well done. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing, uh, getting back to the camera work, um, as far as the documentary style... I love in the chases, especially in the Waterloo station, there's this part when they're running and the camera is just whipping around and it only focuses on Matt Damon and the reporter that he's he's dealing with. And it just gives you this great sense of paranoia because it's like all these faces and anyone could be a villain. Troubled, yeah, yeah it, it's just... There are hundreds of people crammed into this station. Right. And you can't see any of their faces except for the, the two heroes of the scene. Right. I agree. That's done beautifully. And as we commented before on the first two series, the, the acting stays top-notch yeah. in here. In fact, I think Julia Stiles is even... This is her best of the three. I mean, yeah. she actually has kind of a smaller part in the first. Yeah, and it's not that huge in the second. Right, even. she does get a little more involved. Yeah. But she has a, a much larger part here, and she does great. Well, and what I... You know, we t we talked a little last week and, um, and in earlier podcasts about a director respecting his viewer's intelligence. And I think you get that with Paul Greengrass in the relationship between Julia Stiles' character and Matt Damon's. Mm -hmm. Because you... I, they never really say anything, but you get... You you can fill in the blanks yourself, and right. you understand the there's a chemistry there, there's a, a relationship pre-amnesia. Almost they get each other. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's amazing that Greengrass does that just with shots, with camera shots, and with silence between the two actors. So I think that's to be commended, and it's a bold choice, because most mm -hmm. directors would just have them come out and say yeah. what, what Show a their situation yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, so really to be commended. So I think we're both going to rate this very highly, but what are you going to give the Bourne Ultimate? I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> a five. Perfect five. Yeah. It's, it's great. I'm giving it a perfect five out of five as well. It really is one of the best action movies that you can see. And if you haven't caught the first two, watch the whole trilogy in a row and you won't be disappointed. Okay, well that's almost all the time we have on the show this week. And as I said before, we're gone next week. But we will be back the following week with any luck at all. We'll have to do. <laughs> we're we're going to have to figure out the Explore logistics technology here in, in order to do the podcast long distance. But we'll figure that out.
Uh, so now it's time to talk about this week's releases on DVD. We have Disturbia coming out, which looked like a pretty decent updating of Rear Window with Shia LaBeouf. The only good part of the Transformers movie. <laughs> Megan Fox was pretty good. Well, that that's true. I, I stand corrected. <laughs> and then we have the new Ninja Turtles movie. I, I, I admit being curious about it because I, like many children of the 80s, grew up loving Turtles. I know you did as well. Right. But do you think this movie will be good? No. <laughs> but but I, I have to admit I'm curious. And I probably will watch it at some point. <laughs> And then we also have uh, the Thin Man series coming out. They've been out on DVD for a while, but now they're being released individually. You used to have to just buy them in a box set. And uh, you haven't seen the Thin Man series, but they're a great... um, It's almost like a comedy detective series uh, that was... They were made in the 30s and early 40s. And they star Myrna Loy and William Powell, and most of them are very good. They're not all as good as the others, and of course the first Thin Man is the best. But they're very funny, just dry dialogue, and and it's both of them basically play their roles as quasi-drunk the entire time. <laughs> and it's it's really, they're a terrific series, so I recommend checking those out as well. Now, coming up this Friday in theaters, not going to be missing a whole ton by not having a podcast next weekend, because we've got Daddy Day Camp, which looks awful. Really, I mean, I don't know why they would make a sequel to Daddy Day Camp, but oh well. Then we have Rush Hour 3, which, I mean... I liked the first Rush Hour. The first one was pro- was good. But this one looks awful. And, I mean, really, does anyone want to see Chris Tucker in a movie anymore? I, I Chris Tucker. <laughs> I didn't want to see him ever in a movie, so I definitely don't. And now. Uh, then we have Skinwalkers, which is another PG-13 horror movie for high school students, I guess. I I hate these lame, half-assed attempts at making horror movies. It's just like, either go the whole way or don't. So, I don't know. It's some stupid thing with werewolves or... Or no, I think they're shapeshifters. I think they're shapeshifters. Something like giving a movie a chance. Yeah. That's not what this part of the show is about. And then, finally, we have Stardust. Here is a movie that might get a chance. It might, yeah. Uh, Judging from the previews, it's either going to be a fun, kind of, very light-hearted fantasy story like The Princess Bride, or it will be the most horrible mess (laughs) that you've ever seen in your life. And I'm curious to see which way it comes out. So I probably will see that, and we'll try to get a review. trust in Robert De Niro. No, I don't. The he lost that with Meet the Fockers. Oh. <laughs> so, any at any rate, um, we'll try to get a review of Stardust when we're back on. So, because I think that will be pretty good. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, 
as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com. When you're there, search for Those Movie Guys. You can post a message to our forums. And you can also email us at thosemovieguys at gmail.com. It's thosemovieguys at gmail.com. We look forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.